The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards of Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. Now, Chris, I want to go to you first on this, because as the resident expert on all things Kyler Murray, I need you to respond to something. First of all, Charlie Cashley eviscerated Kyler Murray this week with some comments. Yeah, that, he that, said was, that he was, was rough. Yeah, he was told by a few GMs that basically Kyler Murray's terrible and he shouldn't be drafted at all. No, he's but no, he's Dan true. Patrick, this is what I found really, really interesting. Dan Patrick on his nationally syndicated radio show says that he spoke with a scout that he trusts that told him that Kyler Murray – inflated his height at the combine and then he said i quote if he refuses to measure at the pro day it would be telling so i guess the question to you chris is why are you trying to perpetrate this fraud on the american people i think that roger goodell needs to look into this i think that it's um it is is huge is potentially a um a, a real a real huge storyline in the NFL, this, um, this new inflate gate, uh, uh, inflating his height. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, clearly there are some suspicion uh, that has been aroused that he cheated on this test. And um, well, he, was know, wearing, he was wearing a, like a trench coat when he got measured. So I think he was wearing, I think he was spotted on wooden clogs and um you know, the, the, but these are the reports that are coming out. The the wooden clogs is unconfirmed, <laughs> but um, but I have to I have to say that you know I look forward to the investigation and uh, and seeing what I mean. Come on, this is the, the 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 NFL just finds new ways to be ridiculous and also amusing. I think um, <laughs> around this time of year, they whether it's whether it's asking a guy if his mother is a prostitute or 
uh, asking a guy if he has both testicles or well, just engaging in a straight, question, I would say, no? <laughs> engaging in a straight up staring contest, just like getting him into the meeting and just like staring at him and just see what he says or, or bashing him just nonstop for 15 minutes, as we've heard about before. I almost wonder if the NFL are just kind of like, like they're on to themselves and they're just amusing themselves in some like Andy Kaufman-esque experiment because they know that this is all garbage and this is all idiocy. And so they're really just out there to, you know, to, to make themselves laugh. And that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing out of this. Like Kyler Murray cheated on a height test. What? <laughs> I, <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. Um, you know, how can you really take that seriously? I think the, the more serious thing is, is of course, Charlie Katzerly's reports about how he was in the interviews. Um, you know, you don't, we say this every year and we talk about it on the pod. You don't trust anything that you hear at this time of year. Um, but, and we all know it. And, and I see, you know, guys talk about it and we all know it, but, and still the ambulance goes by and we go barking and chasing it and, and do it anyway. Um, so maybe there is something to this with Charlie Casserly, but there are reports going, you know, Ian Rappaport reported that, uh, at least one team was really impressed with his interview. Um, you know, there's there's other guys out there saying, like Riley say, he talked to several of the teams and and they were happy with his interviews. I know that um, you know one guy that uh, is a listener of the show and and as a as a reporter for Pro Football Network, he was on the ground in Indy. He said that um, he said that Brett Yaris. He said that you know this was the direct opposite of what he had heard about Kyler's interviews. I mean, who knows? I mean, this is. I don't know that anything really moves the needle uh, about the whisper campaigns and what you hear at this point, because I don't think it can afford to, because, you know, there, who knows what agendas are out there at this point. So I, I don't know. I take it with a grain of salt, although clearly the height thing, you know, totally inflated, totally inflated. <laughs> Simon, what do you make of this, this uh, idiocy or this lunacy or, <laughs> or, or should I say, you know, a conspiracy to inflate this guy's uh, so he could go number one. Yeah. I mean, the, the the Dan Patrick thing was clearly written on the wall in his own shite. Um, <laughs> he, he clearly he clearly shat into his own hands and write it on the wall because I mean that's just nonsense. I mean, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, in seriousness though, um, Bruce Feldman wrote a book about the draft a few years ago, um, and I'm not at home, so I don't have it in front of me, I'm afraid. But um, it's all about the draft process, and he did talk about the way that players managed to increase their own height by the way in which they move their feet around, and that you can sort of stand slightly on tiptoes without standing on tiptoes. But whether I mean, like, who cares, frankly? Um, whether he's five foot ten, five foot nine, it really makes no difference. You turn the tape on and see what he did. I mean, I, I, I'm less, um, I'm less bullish as than Chris with regards to the Charlie Castley thing because you know we can all sit here and say he's shooter and uh, and you know David Carr and whatever, but you know Castley's clearly been told that Matt Miller's talked about it. I see Albert Breer this evening said he said the same thing. Um, and I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that Murray believes and has been told or has been tipped off that he will go number one to Arizona and therefore went into the Arizona interview and did very well and decided that, you know, you know what, I'm not going to be at my best because I'm pretty sure that I'm going number one anyway. So mm -hmm. I don't need to talk to Seattle, Washington, Miami, 
Oakland, the other teams, the Giants, the other 11 teams that he spoke to. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. I, I think both of these things that could be true, the Ian Rappaport, the Ian Rappaport report and the um, Charlie Castle slash Matt Miller slash Albert Breer report, I don't think that they are, um, you know, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. I think that, you know, both things could have happened. I get that it's draft season and the old smoke machine is out, but you know I, I also do believe that you know there's probably some truth in it somewhere along the way. That I don't. There's any truth in the high inflation bullshit. I think that's just a nonsensical story. But yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm kind of bored of Kyler Murray now. It's just it's it's kind of a boring story. I kind of feel like it's it feels like he's going to go number one. Maybe he's not. Maybe it is the, the uh, you know maybe somebody's trying to maybe the, the Cardinals are trying to create a market to to move up and. You know, so they can get some extra picks and extra players. And if so, then, you know, Steve Kahn's not an idiot. You know, Steve Kahn built a team with Bruce Harris that went to the NFC Championship game and probably should have beaten the Carolina Panthers, you know, um, and didn't, um, given the, the, you know, the fact that Carson Palmer was playing brilliantly. You know, they got out of, they had that amazing game against Green Bay in the wild card round. David Johnson was playing brilliantly. Larry Fitzgerald, obviously still playing while defense was, you know, Pat Pete was, was flying. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they're trying to create a market for things. Yes, obviously Murray fits well, and but it just seems too obvious. You know, everybody's saying, oh, Cliff Kingsbury was strutting around saying, you know, we're going to draft. That just seems a bit obvious. I mean, King, Kingsbury's got no, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was fired from Texas Tech for having a losing record. He's got no chips to play, you know, because if, if they draft Kyler Murray and it fails, Cliff Kingsbury is one and done, or two and done, mm. really. You know, he. You so, know, it, so is Kime, of course. Of course he is, of course. But Kime is not a stupid man. And Michael Bidwell is not a stupid man. Especially, uh, and, you if, know, they trade, especially if they trade Josh Rosen and he takes off somewhere else. Like, that would yeah, be I mean, of course. Disaster. Of course. And I, I, I think you only have to watch the all or nothing um, Amazon Prime did to realize that both Kime and Bidwell whatever you think of them, are definitely not stupid men. And in a way, it feels like they're creating a market. You know, people talk about John Gruden's in love with Kyler Murray. Well, all of a sudden, look, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, it doesn't take much to, to, you know, tell a couple of friendly folk in the media that Cliff's walking around saying, we're going to take Kyler number one. All of a sudden, John Gruden's getting itchy fingers and Mike Mayock's getting itchy fingers. And what if we, can we move Derek Carr? Uh, Derek Carr, can we, you know, we've got three first-round picks and two next year. I really like this Murray kid. You know, this is my Supposedly guy. Supposedly the Redskins are also now. Yeah, Washington, you know, yeah. you're 15. They don't have a quarterback. All of a sudden, I just think it's, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for me at all. You know, and the Cardinals could be in a position where they think, here's our guy and this is the person we're going to take and we're going to deal Josh Rosen. And that is absolutely fine. It just seems very obvious that all of a sudden, oh, there's rumors, you know, Arizona are now creating a rumor market that Rosen is available. Arizona are now creating a market where Cliff Kingsbury is walking around as a first-year head coach who just got fired from a middle-tier college team. You know, oh, this is the guy we're going to take. Let's play on the relationship that Cliff had with Kyle. He recruited him. So it just feels a little bit too obvious to me, especially, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot to there's a lot of this race to be run before we get to to the finish line. I suspect maybe maybe they draft him first overall and that's how it plays out. But I, I, 
don't know, there's just something that nags at me that thinks Steve Kahn is too intelligent to go around just letting everybody know that at this point, this is what they're going to do, especially given the massive amount of holes they have on that team. You know, and trading well, down I, and getting picks and more players you know, is going to help. Down, what's the downside to letting everybody know? Let's say you do intend to take them. The only, mm. I mean, you, you've made this decision. You, you're like, you know, listen, I mean, Steve Kime, you're right. He's not a stupid man, but so he knows that he has hitched his star to Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, if, Cliff, if, if Kingsbury fails as the coach of this team, then Kime doesn't get another GM job in the NFL. I mean, he, yeah. he hired Steve Wilkes and fired him in a year. Yeah. And then he hired Cliff Kingsbury, who was, as you say, a failed coach even at Texas Tech. And, and if he doesn't work out, then Kime doesn't get a job anywhere as, as a GM. You know, maybe as somebody's you know, scout or, or national scout or, uh, or, you know, maybe some director position or something like that. So he has hitched his job to Cliff Kingsbury. And if Cliff Kingsbury really likes Skylar Murray, which we know that he does, because what he said about Kyler, yeah. you know, seemed very organic. We know that he's had a relationship with yeah, Kyler. He didn't know, he didn't know he was going to have the job or the number one pick at that time. And he's yeah. except, so, except so if, that. If you, know that you're, if you know that you're leaning this way, this Kyler Murray, then there's no downside to letting people know it because the worst that can happen is somebody just blows you away with a trade offer. Yeah. Right? And that I can mean, happen. Somebody, somebody, because you, you leaked it. You leaked it and somebody says, you know what? Four first round picks. Here you go. You know, and that's, and that's my point, though, isn't it? The point is that they're the point is that they're leaking. I mean, the flip side of that is that, you know, time is already on the clock. Yeah, I mean, the Steve Wilkes yeah, thing is yeah. it, it, it they're puts the you on the clock. And Kingsbury Kingsbury puts him behind the eight ball. So already they have a quarterback in Josh Rosen who's a year into the process. If they draft Kyler Murray, Kingsbury's the process. But he's still a year into the process. He's still mm-hmm. into the process of being an NFL quarterback. Kyler Murray, whether he goes into Cliff Kingsbury's, Kingsbury's offense, if Lincoln Riley takes over as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, there is still going to be a, a, a maturation process for Kyler Murray to become, you know, what he potentially could be. Yeah? It's, it's, I mean, it doesn't happen generationally. doesn't tend to happen. What we just saw with Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't tend to happen. So already then they're back, back a year in the process and they still have a shitty team with an aging Larry Fitzgerald, now a year older, nobody else at receiver, David Johnson, terrible offensive line. Or you float the possibility that you're going to take Murray. People get excited. You deal down, get a load of picks. You take Bozo, you take whoever, you take, you know, you end up with four or five picks and take four or five players. All for telling Cliff to wander around going, he's our guy, he's our guy. We're going to build a relationship. It just seems too obvious to me because that the team that if they draft Kyler Murray, they're still the same shitty Arizona Cardinals. They're just a mm-hmm. year behind what they were this time last year. Well, I don't, I don't agree that they're a year behind just because uh, Josh Rosen at this point is also starting from zero. I mean, he he doesn't know Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I mean, yeah, he's been in the NFL for a while, but he's already everybody's complaint about him all through college, and you know, sort of the the excuses that everybody kind of piles up for why he's constantly underachieving is that he constantly has a different offense to learn. He const- and and here he is yet again. He has another offense to learn. So I don't know that he's really got that much of a head start on Kyler Murray. I do agree with you that Kyler Murray is going to have a process. He's going to have a growing process in the NFL. It's not going to come in like right away and just be like, you know, 
dynamic, awesome, you know, Hall of Fame guy. Uh, I think that he will grow, but also Rosen is starting from zero too. So it's sort of like an even horse race between the two because Rosen didn't really get anything done impressive last year. So I, I think that I think they're already kind of starting at the same place and they're looking at it that way. But I look at it, I see the downside. Let's say that your goal here is not you're not actually leaning toward Kyler Murray. You have no intention of taking Kyler Murray. Let's say that. But you are leaking all this stuff about Kyler Murray with the intention of trying to get a trade. Well, okay, those trade offers don't manifest just because you want them to, right? You, you can't just make them snap your fingers and make them happen. I mean, they happen or they don't happen. Most often they don't. And yeah, so they've leaked, all this stuff. they've leaked all this stuff about Kyler. Wait a minute. They've leaked all this stuff about Kyler Murray and how much they like him and damaged their relationship with Josh Rosen in the process. Unless Rosen and then knows. all of a sudden on draft day, they take Nick Bosa and that's it. Unless now, Rosen knows. That's a why downside. Would, but, you know, smart. Why would Rosen be a part of that? Why? Why would wouldn't Rosen be insulted by all this crap about Kyler Murray all this time? Like, but what, he, what he, if he, what, he got what if in you front said, of everybody and said Josh Rosen is our guy for now? But what if you said to Josh Rosen? But what if you said to Josh Rosen beforehand, Josh, this is how it's going to play out. We're going to get a better team. You're going to be the leader of a better team. Did we, they? we are. Go- well, who knows? I don't know. You don't know either. Alf doesn't know. No, but no, there's nothing say- beyond the, a smart GM. If that's what you're going to do, you would say, look. This is the play. This is the play. We are trying to get more picks to get you a better team. We don't want you behind that shitty offensive line any more than you want to be. We, you know, we don't want the only good defensive players to be Pat Pete, Chandler Jones, and um, and Buda Baker. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Fifty-three days away from the draft, that that could have happened too. I, I just, you know, I kind of. Anyway, it's I mean, not a good way to alienate your fans because they're all yeah. getting on the Kyler train. And then all of a sudden, they you pull the Brady Quinn Ted Ginn on them, and pull yeah. the rug out from under them. Well, he, I mean, what, I mean, what did he have? Really, I mean, he, he played behind the worst offensive line in the league. He played behind a recovering David Johnson coming back from Achilles injury and no wide receiver talent. I mean, I don't think he sucked last year. I think no, no did. wide receiver talent is over. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is still pretty good, and Christian Kirk is pretty good, and they uh, had and Jermaine also had Ricky Seals Jones. That's not nothing. That's not we're 32nd in the league in offense, but secretly we have a good quarterback. Nothing. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not that, that especially with David Johnson. I mean, what's that? Larry Fitzgerald in his what 16th year, Christian Kirk, a rookie who then tore his ACL. And let's not, I mean, are we talking up Jermaine Gresham now? I mean, is that where we are? Jermaine Gresham is a pro. He's been pretty. He's been pretty good in his career. He's productive. Uh, Other quarterbacks was... that produced with Jermaine Gresham at at tight end, they produced with old Larry Fitzgerald at wide receiver. And the, the... Is actually, a very promising young receiver. Oh, they. This is him, not. But, you know. like you know, last in offense and secretly has a good quarterback. Okay, but I think we're, I think we're inflating a market. Saying... Blake Bortles was a rookie. I think you're inflating a market in that, you know, Christian Kirk was a rookie wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald is clearly not the receiver he was three, four years ago. And you talk about quarterbacks that played with Jermaine Gresham. Well, Andy Dalton, I mean, come on. Anyway, I mean, this is a Miami Dolphins podcast. and We spent 20 minutes talking about the Cardinals. (laughs) No, let me say this. Let me say this. If you wanted to trade for Kyler Murray, I don't think it would behoove you to be going out there in the media and saying he's the greatest thing ever because then you inflate his value. So I think that most of what we're watching is uh, watching and listening is a bunch of teams making up stuff to drive his value down because they actually do want to trade for him. So, 
And I also, I also think that you're right, Simon. I think he went into those meetings and he knew, okay, this team could take me, this team could take me, this team can take me. And the rest of these teams have no shot. So I'm just going to go ahead and tank these interviews. Yeah, you wonder what he's going to say to the Seahawks when they do a staring contest with him. (laughs) (laughs) Or if he's got two knots. Or if he's got two All right, enough of Callum Murray already. Enough of Callum Murray. We said that we were tired of him, and we did. Can we not talk about him now until the week before the draft? Yes, no more Callum Murray. He's so far away from being a Dolphin that it's never never going to Callum Murray. But we do have results from the NFL Scouting Combine, and my takeaway. The biggest result. Can I just say the biggest result from the Scouting Combine didn't even happen. It was Tua Tungavailoa measuring in at six foot and and two whatever it is today at the Alabama <laughs> Junior Pro Day. That's the biggest news that should concern Miami Dolphin fans. He probably he probably is, uh, on the good side uh, or bad because he was supposed yeah. to be six one. Well, I'll take six foot, and he's two hundred and thirty. He's a big lad, two hundred and thirty pounds. So some meat there. Do you see the size yeah. of his hands as well? Yeah, oh, you know they say guys with big hands. Yep, yeah. big gloves. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, All right, so we watched the scouting combine this week. And this past week, and we have results. And what I saw was a running back group that's unimpressive. Quarterbacks, you can't really gleam anything from what you saw. A wide yeah. receiver group who I think is a pretty good-looking group, big, good tight end. They tested among the best ever. Yeah. They really did. Very mobile offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And I would say the most impressive group and the most impressive group I've seen in maybe three or four years, edge, defensive line, defensive tackle. Okay, I thought they were the stars of the, of the NFL scouting combine. I think the biggest disappointment, I would say the cornerbacks. There wasn't much mm. to like. A lot of good the safety group did well. And yet, yeah. Yeah, and yet the safeties group did do well. Yeah, yeah the safeties I, group I, looks pretty good. I thought the safeties uh, group outran the corner group and yeah. generally yeah, they performed might. better. I mean, yeah. I think they did. I think there was that there was that period where Abraham ran the four fifty one, and then you know Thornhill with the you know in the four fours, and then and then there was the guys running the the, the kid from Maryland ran the four thirty seven, oh, and yeah. it was just like Savage. wow, okay, Darnell Savage, that's right. Yeah, it was just like wow, okay. And, and there was, there was about a run of about. You saw my boy Sheldrick Redwine. Redwine ran four. Yeah, Redwine yeah. ran fast. And Zedrick Woods with that, like the four two nine or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, Jaquan Johnson is still trying to finish. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Well, my, I told you guys. He's my, the guy that had the hype, but I told you I've watched this team for a while now. Okay, I'm a Hurricane fan. Wow. I watch these guys. One guy can play in the NFL. The other one could not. Mike Bell's yeah. just finished, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a good group. It was a good group. And you right, know, what, were your, some... what were your thoughts, Simon, overall on the on the entire combine? Uh, overall, I thought it was – I mean, it, you, you take from it what you want to take from it, don't you? You, you extrapolate what you feel like uh, – I don't want to say fits your narrative. We all have guys that we like. We all – you know, you kind of go to bat and you try and – I mean, I always look at certain things. You know, you look at I, – I, I like watching, especially this year, because, you know, we all believe that the Dolphins should add a number of secondary players to play certain positions. We've talked about it on the podcast. We've tweeted about it, that sort of thing. So obviously, I, I like watching the corners, especially in the movement drills. I like to see players' hips. I like to see transitions, how they click and close. I like to see the, the W drill. Um, and it was an utterly unimpressive cornerback group. And I thought it was fascinatingly unimpressive. In fact, when you look, I didn't think D.B. Baker did particularly well. He looked a little sticky. I, I thought Greedy Williams' footwork was dreadful. And I think some of the things that showed up on tape uh, with Greedy, who looks great down the field, 
Um, and that speed obviously showed up when he ripped off the 437. But I mean, his footwork in, uh, and his ability to clip and close was was really poor. And it, it was some of the yeah, worst. Yeah, he starts that, and stops. And I don't yeah, know why it was he does that. awful. Yeah. Um, Trayvon Mullen looked okay. Looked pretty decent. I thought Byron Murphy was excellent. The kid from Washington. Um, but generally, I thought the corner group just to rock your sin was was decent enough. Uh, I thought the safeties definitely outperformed them. Jonathan Abraham looked really good. Um, there was a whole bunch of, I mean, the, the, the Thornhill numbers were astonishing all across the board, really. You look at the, yeah. the, the broad and the, you know, just looking for that explosive power with the things like the vert and the, and the broad jump. Um, overall, it was, you know, I don't think it's an outstanding group. And actually, when you, I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I, I would probably go to bat at this stage for, you know, 10 or 12 guys where you say, 100% I think these players are going to be good to really good NFL players. But I do think there is an awful lot of question marks over an awful lot of players. And, you know, we all look at things differently. We all evaluate differently. And there'll be guys that I don't like that Chris likes and guys that Chris likes that you don't like. And But but I, I look around the, the group of players and there's quite a few players that scare me. I mean, Metcalf scares me. Haskins scares me. Mm. I think Kyler is brilliant, but his height, I'm not going to lie, his height does scare me. And you think, can he perform Especially as well? Especially it now. Exactly. You know, well, now that he's only five foot six. Um, <laughs> he got the stretcher. Yeah. But then I look at a guy like Josh Jacobs, and I think he's going to play in the NFL. I look at Garrett Bradbury. He's going to be a, a good player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You look at Chris Lindstrom. Yeah. Yeah, you look at Lindstrom, he's going to be a good player in the NFL. You look at Devin Bush, good player in the NFL. You know, some of those defensive ends frighten the life. Montez Sweat frightens the life out of me. Brian Burns frightens the life out of me. I know, I spoke to somebody at Florida State a couple of weeks ago. Burns was 229, maxed out during the season. He weighs in at 249 yes. at the combine. You know, mm. and, and But he puts up a number. He ran yeah. at 453. Yeah. Fluid. He looked like, like, he looked like he, he was fine at 249 but, pounds. But the name Aaron Mabin comes to mind because the exact Sticky same hips, with him. Yeah. The same yeah. the same thing happened with Aaron Mabin. Remember, he was like and in college at Penn State, he was there was no way he was in the two twenties. He was yeah. in the two twenties. He comes to the combine and there are pictures. There's a, there are these like pictures before and after pictures of his training and um and what he did to beef up and get to the combine. And he comes in like at this amazing mm. weight and tests incredibly well but you know then he goes to the bills and he's just not that kind of player and that's that's the concern i think with a brian burns mm, i mean burns sweat frightens the life out of me yeah and the flip side the life out of me yeah the flip side to that of course is I, jason taylor when he when he was drafted i talked to people that that saw him the first few days here in camp and were telling me this guy's never going to play in the nfl because mm. he's 230 <laughs> yeah. pounds sure. and he's 230 pounds carrying you know 25 pounds of water weight really and we and they told they, they said that about zach too because yeah. the, you know his the way his body was built like he was you know they they made fun of him he he had he had some even some pudge on him for it being as small as he was and um they said a lot of the same things about both guys i mean what what i like about the combine and what i dislike about the combine is is that it throws up all sorts of anomalous stuff where people suddenly start raving about bits and pieces and numbers and 40s mm. and body types and stuff and, and and it tends to take people's focus off what you see uh, not not pro scouts or whatever but the, the kind of community that we operate in, in in terms of you know educated fandom and, and that sort of thing I, I do think it tends to take people's eyes off the ball a little bit and i was having a conversation with pete bukowski who works for sports illustrated and uh, and we were talking about how year after year guys are really good clearly going to be good you know 
there's lots of good college players who are not going to be NFL players, but also you can see, you can identify really good college football players who you know are going to be good NFL players, but they kind of get lost in the war. Devin Bush, for example, is a perfect example of a kid who's, you know, NFL lineage in terms of his dad was a first round draft pick of the Falcons. Um, you know, brought up the right way, sensible kid, smart kid, intelligent. You look at him on tape and get sideline to sideline. He's quick. The only knock on Devin Bush is that he's got a bit of an injury history, but generally plays very well and has played through pain. But then you kind of think, uh, uh, he performed very well at the combine and outperformed pretty much every linebacker, and that's fine. But everybody suddenly talks about Metcalf and Sweat, and it feels like every year there's a guy like Devin Bush who just goes into the league, turns into be a Pro Bowl player, and everybody's like, oh, we kind of, where did Devin Bush come from? And you just think, no, he was always there. He was yeah. always just a really good player. Why, why do we forget about really good players? Yeah, we watched his entire uh, we, we watched his entire career. We especially saw his 2018. And you think brilliant. Same as look at a guy like Chase Winovich. So you know, oh, so yeah. again, Winovich. I mean, a really good player, hustle player, hard worker, can bend the edge, can More change direction hustle. skills. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, great kid, great guy. I was lucky enough to interview him. And Rashan Gary is also a great kid. Um, and there's more to there's more to life than football. For although he's obsessed with football, Winovich, there there is a bigger thing for him once his career is over. But just a a great player, and all of a sudden, you know, it's Brian Burns and it's Montez Sweat, and it's you know, and you kind of think Winovich is going to go to the NFL. He's going to be a really good player, and people are going to be like, oh yeah, we forgot about Winovich, and it's just like no, he's always been there. Why are we forgetting about this guy just because somebody turns up looking like this or running like this and. Well, the sin, the sin with that, though, is that guys like the, you're talking about, Devin Bush and, and Chase Winovich, had good combines. Yeah, no, they did. <laughs> you know? They did. And they, they, had, they had good they – had, they their scientific measurements were quite good. And, but that's the uh, point, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, we're not talking about just... because there are a few guys exactly. that did better. Exactly. You know? And, and that's, that's the sin, I think. But I, I, I do think, like, with respect to DK Metcalf, for – I mean – there's such a big deal being made about his shuttle and cone scores right or times right now. And it's, it's like, this is, this is part and parcel of this, this combine phenomenon that, that you dislike though to me, because uh, listen, you want to go back to the tape of, of DK Metcalf and, and say, you know, Hey, how come you were kind of an underachiever? You didn't produce that much. How come you were never healthy? Um, and then, you know, I, absolutely, I understand it. But if you're going you're gonna to focus on a shuttle time and a cone score, when these are esoteric drills that, you know, don't really have much to do with, you know, it's not a shake route. I mean, it's not, it, it's, it's something that you have to learn to run. And it, it, it's like esoteric skill being measured more than some basic athletic fundamental building block. And, and the shuttle and scone, I, I tell this to people all the time, watch what people do at the combine with their shuttle and cone. And then the guys that go and run it again at the pro day, because they're, they weren't happy with it. Mm-hmm. See the variance there, see the variation there. Shuttle times, they go up or down by a 10th of a second. On average, on average, cone drills go up or down uh, at, at a pro day by two tenths of a second. So a guy runs a seven point one at the combine at his pro day, he's going to run a seven point three, do even worse, or he's going to run a six point nine, and that's on average. That's on average, and that'll take you from like fiftieth percentile all the way to like eightieth percentile or something like that. I mean, that's 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 the kind of very. The truth is, if somebody was talking, if you were talking to an athletic trainer, a guy that trains these guys for the combine, and you are saying, okay, so you've been training this guy on the shuttle or the cone um, all for 
you know, four weeks or something like that. He's probably run it, you know, how many times, maybe like uh, 40 times for you. Like what's, what's the varia- variance of, of everything that you recorded for him? If you looked at that list, you'd never look at a cone drill for, for again for the rest of your life. You'd, you'd say, nah, this is all noise. This is bullshit. I don't, I don't know, even know why we pay attention to it. But the truth is at one time, one guy probably thought, Hey, this sounds like a good idea. And so they decided to, to do it. And from then on, it's all about precedent and we're just doing it because this is what we've done before. I don't think you, you have to take those kinds of drills with a grain of salt. The guys that do really well at them, you say, okay, well, that's a really good achievement because you can't be faster than you are. So, I mean, that's, that's good. But the guys who do it poorly, grain of salt, my friends. I mean, it's, it's like that way with the, it can be like that with the 42. Any of these measures, you can't really look at the, the 7.05 and go, gosh, you know, I wish that was a 6.95. And, you know, it, it's not really, it's not really indicative. You have to look at the tape. You have to go back to your evaluation of the guy and realize that these are esoteric skill measurements as much as they are trying to measure some sort of athletic building block and um, and frankly, there are better ways to do this now. I mean, we we live in the 21st century, guys. So I, I think that uh, I think that that's the reason that you got to look at this with sort of a grain of salt and not fall for the you know, don't eat the cheese with with some of these guys that are just absolutely blowing you away and making you forget about other guys who who went there to Indianapolis and affirmed their tape. You know, like a Chase Minovich. Um, or somebody like absolutely affirmed it by showing, Hey, I've got COD skills. I can run fast. I'm pretty strong, you know, stuff like that. Um, but you know, you're, you're kind of falling for the, uh, for the, for the shiny new object a little bit. And, and I mean, I, I don't want to pick on Montez sweat because he was a pretty good player at Mississippi state, but, um, but still like that. All right, guys, before we go to break, who was the star of this NFL combine? First you Simon. Um, Start well. I mean, I suppose DK Metcalf was the star of the combine. It's hard not to, you know. Or I should say, be. your star. Who you thought looked um, the best? Well, I just thought I, 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 for me, it goes back to the players that I like on film who turned up, did their job, uh, and went home. So I would, say, you know, uh, did exactly what I'd seen on tape. So I would say that Garrett Bradbury, the centre from NC State, turned up, dominated the drills, looked great, lifted well, boom, go home, great job. Byron Murphy, Washington cornerback, movement skills, footwork, backpedal, change of direction, hands, uh, boom, showed up on tape, showed up at the combine. Uh, Jonathan Abraham, uh, Abram, Mississippi State, downhill, great angles, just come in and smash you in the mouth safety. I mean, does not give one shit about your physical welfare. He's going to come and punch you in the face repeatedly. Thought he looked really good. Devin Bush, I thought, looked really good. I thought Quinn and Williams generally looked looked okay. I mean, you could see the you know huge amount of talent there. I thought Christian Wilkins looked good. I thought Dexter Lawrence. I mean, the Dexter Lawrence to run five oh five at oh, like yeah. six six hundred and twenty pounds, whatever he was. Yeah. Uh, I thought was was like was absolutely phenomenal. Paris Campbell, another kid I really like at Ohio State. I mean, just what you saw at Ohio State showing up on on film you get him in the right scheme you get him in the right system you get him the ball in space and he's gonna he's gonna kill people down the field so it was the kind of guys that i liked and i wanted to see just show up and and confirm everything that i'd seen on tape and it, you know, the sweats and the burns and those kind of guys they make me nervous because they're the ones that you kind of have to kind of dig back and and think does that really show up i mean 
is that you know are you really that guy or were you just you know you've been away training for six weeks and paid ten thousand dollars for some guy to make you look amazing I, I, you know those kind of things make me nervous so i think that, that that sort of group of guys would be my but if you were to pick one standout the one that made the biggest noise i would say probably dk metcalf made the biggest noise because of the the body and the the, the running mm-hmm. and all that sort of shit but i think for me it's that the guys that i wanted to see turn up who are good college football players who i thought would transition to the nfl and they turned up and they did the job and those are kind of five six seven guys that i mentioned chris before I go to break, anybody that you liked stood out for you, favorite, top yeah, guy? I think, in the combine? Well, I think that um, I'll take the, I'll sort of take the flip side of you on, because I 100% agree with you. What the guys who stand out are the guys that really were good football players and then came out and did well and, you know, affirmed that they're good football players. But since this is a test and everybody studies for it and everybody performs, uh, Let's go with the absolute explosive performers. Um, and to me, it starts with on the defensive side at safety, Juan Thornhill was just jaw-dropping with his jumping skills. And his. Uh, I think he had like a 4-4-2-40. I mean, he's, he's over six foot tall. Um, you know, he's actually a pretty good football player. He had, he had like six interceptions this year, and he had four the year before. I mean, he's used really well in, that, uh, in Nick Howell's defense um, uh, over, in, uh, over in UVA, and he's a very compelling safety but in, in his own right. But as far as testing goes, I mean, man, this guy was through the roof. Um, you mentioned before DK Metcalf. He deserves. He he basically shows up like Des Bryant, except way faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's um and that's that's how he tested. I mean that's that is legitimately how he tested. Uh, I'm not. I don't think anybody should make too big of a deal out of the shuttle and cone drills because he'll go back and do them at his pro day and they'll change by three tenths of a second or some ridiculous crap like that because that's the way those numbers are. Um, you know, but at tight end, you got to give it up for Noah Fant and what he did at this uh, this combine. I mean, he ran a four five zero. Okay, he's six four. He's six four, two hundred and forty nine pounds. He had a forty inch vertical, thirty nine and a half inch vertical, uh, ten foot seven. And then he also like he he killed the the cone and shuttles. Like he did well for those and and did twenty bench. I mean, he really just put together a hell of an outing altogether at tight end. So I, I mean, if we're looking at pure numbers, I mean, these guys were doing really well and going back to the defensive line and the defensive tackles I mean there was a lot of talk about um, defensive tackles and and the fact that um, you know some some of these guys ran pretty fit Quinn Williams ran like a 483 and uh, you know Jerry Tillery ran a 493 but you you said it Simon Dexter Lawrence running a 505 at you know six foot four and 342 pounds with 35 inch arms and a wingspan that is wider than the earth you know that's that's just absolutely amazing and probably takes the cake for those defensive tackles and then of course Montez let's give it up for Montez Sweat right Montez Sweat you know he he's a fairly good football player on tape at Mississippi State and in sweatpants uh at the combine he is king shit I mean he is Mm -hmm. He is the king of everything there. Um, but also, uh, I want to give a small shout-out to Justin Hollins of Oregon, who's been a guy that I've been following for a while. Uh, he's, he's always looked very intriguing to me. He was the game MVP of the Shrine, uh, of the Shrine game. 
he plays real linebacker position, stacked linebacker. He plays outside linebacker like in a 3-4 as a pass rusher. He's 6 foot 5, 248 with 10 and a half inch hands and 33 inch arms. He ran a 450 at 6 foot 5 and 248 pounds. 450 with, you know, great jump numbers and and all the other stuff. He's a guy that Miami should be looking at to fill sort of a Donta Hightower or Kyle Van Noy type of position as we saw in the New England system where you have a guy who is half the time really a stacked linebacker like a real a box linebacker and half the time like a pass rushing outside linebacker and that's what that's what Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy do in New England and I would look at Justin Hollins as doing exactly that for a multiple defense like Miami's about to have right coming up uh, we will talk about whatever's in the news concerning the Dolphins, because I've got to go to work in about six hours. Anyway, you are listening to Three Yards Per Carry with myself, Simon Clancy, Alfredo Arteaga, and Chris Kaufman. Now, this. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for you know uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is is fully supportive and allowing us to 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 do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in in this region in the Gateway to America and 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 for Miami to become a destination spot for for all Latin players uh, because you know this is such an international city. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we that's go. What so that's I wanted to get, get yeah. That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat him 35-7. 35 35 wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on him, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> How did hands <laughs> All of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Three Hours with Carrie. I am the well, I was going to say I'm your host. I'm not host at all. <laughs> uh, I'm just one of the hosts. Um, Maybe for this thing listen before. Yeah, uh, I'm running this shit. I'm running this sleigh. Um, <laughs> I am Simon Clancy. <laughs> Let's talk about the news. Let's talk about what's happening with Dolphins. Land. And essentially, uh, kind of three sort of pieces of news that we probably haven't talked about. One is Ryan Tannehill trade stuff that was talked about uh, at the combine potentially. The likely cutting of Josh Sitton and the almost certain cutting of Andre Branch, which we found out about in the last couple of days. And then four guys who've been signed to futures contracts. Um, four kind of stiffs, I mean players, uh, Jesse Davis, uh, Jonathan Woodard, uh, Isaac Asiata, and somebody else who I can't even remember. Zach Stirrup. Uh, Zach Stirrup, of course. How could I forget the... Uh, <laughs> How can I forget the Russell Okung of our team? Uh, anyway, let's start with Tannehill. Trade, cut, keep. Where are we? Got to cut. There's no, there's, no, there's no traders. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think he has a market at all, and it's a depressed market. And I think the people who depressed it are all the Dolphin fans that absolutely despise him for whatever reason. <laughs> when, he, when he gets released, which I, I agree, I think he'll be released. Where, where do you see quickly? Where do you where do you see a pick a landing spot for him? I think he goes to a Super Bowl contender, one of the better teams in the league, as a backup. I think one of those teams is going to say, you know what, we're ready to win a Super Bowl. You know, we, you know, we can't afford losing our starting quarterback for two, three games and losing those games and then losing the number one seed in the playoffs. So why not Ryan Tannehill for one year on a one-year contract? So maybe, who knows, Kansas City maybe, something like that. Maybe the Eagles to replace. I was going to say the Eagles. Eagles mm. sounds like a good uh, destination. That's what about Dallas? New England? Dallas backing up Dak Prescott yeah. makes a lot of sense. Also, what about New England? I don't oh, think boy. New England has had. I mean, I've so various sources, whatever we we have. I have people that are connected with New England, and I've never had the um, impression that the New England Patriots actually rate Tannehill that well. Like uh, that they have that much respect for him respect for him uh, so I, I think I don't think that would be it I think Washington I think Tannehill's people are preparing to go to Washington and I'll just follow their cues because that that makes too much sense for his yeah. destination right now with Alex Smith the deal and you know who knows what else they're going to do but I have heard that both Gruden's actually kind of like Ryan Tannehill uh, so I think that Washington makes the most sense Andre Branch where do you see uh that, that, I mean, we knew that was coming, didn't we? But yeah. not surprised at all, really, is it? I mean, Robert Quinn is carry... out too, right? Yeah. yeah, Robert Quinn is on yeah. his way out also. Yeah. also. And sitting, any sort of surprise there? A little bit, I think. Yeah, because you, you are opening up yet another hole on that yeah. offensive line. So you basically start the offseason looking at a left tackle and nobody else because Jawan James is not under contract, although they want him back, but he's not under mm-hmm. contract. So you would start an offseason, and if you had to play a game in about two weeks, there'd be nobody there blocking for whoever the quarterback is. In fact, it wouldn't Jack, even be a Jack quarterback. <laughs> so you would just also, have, like, Larry McTunsel standing there. You have Larry McTunsel standing there looking around saying, uh, do we have anybody else on this thing? Do you know how exciting it's going to be this time next year when we're doing the podcast and to a tongue of Ilo is going to be a dolphin? How exciting is that going to be? And then we and then we don't take him and take somebody else. <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna pass on him and we take a guard. Yeah, that would <laughs> yeah. be so funny. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, <laughs> no, sit and surprise me a little bit. And then yeah. the four stiffs that I've mentioned. That it's unfair to call them stiffs, but uh, I mean, they're, they're actually stiff. all a bit stiff, aren't they? They are pretty stiff. I mean, well, like, I kind of like Jonathan Woodard. Uh, I you know he, he um, Woodard, at the end of the year, know, but he's not the most bendy of defensive ends, is he? I mean, how, how does Isaac Asiata stay in the running, given that he's <laughs> literally... I mean, we... Because they don't know better yet? <laughs> there was an atomic bomb in our offensive line, and he still couldn't get a snap. And yet he's got a contract. It was astonishing. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's... Well, guys, I'm going to ask you a question, because somebody sent us... Uh, we haven't done this in a while, but somebody sent us a Twitter question, and I found it kind of interesting. And it's Dave McDonald at Dave in Cowtown is his Twitter handle. And he says, guys, quick question. After listening to the last podcast, with all the good safeties now in free agency, and if you look at that list, it's populated by a lot of big names. Do you see us grabbing somebody off that list? Simon? Um, I mean, I I think it's difficult to do it given... 
I do, genuinely, I don't know the answer because I just I have no clue whatsoever about what the direction of the team is in terms mm. of whether I think it's really difficult to say that we could be signing X player or we could be just completely ignored. We don't know if they're going to ignore free agency completely and look to build a New England way. We don't know if they're going to pile into free agency with the Trey Flowers like we talked about last week. We don't know if they're going to tiptoe into it with a Darius Filer and a Quentin Spain. And, uh, you know, I, I, none of us really know which direction it's going to be. So we could say, yes, we think Landon Collins is out there and he's been to three Pro Bowls and an All Pro and he's absolutely loved in the locker room and the fans love him and he's a really good player and he's 25 but you know or it could be a, a you know he fits the scheme and he fits the um the profile in terms of youth and, and talent and culture but then are we going to be after an L Thomas and sort of a back end of the career but Hall of Fame player we just do not know where we're going so uh, you know it feels like there are players that we would bring in and secondary is certainly an area that would be one of those positions that we'd look to but I just think it's too tough to call because I just don't know which way we're doing it there's been no announcement whether or not we're going to do it not do it or kind of fudge it so until we know that it's I know it feels like I'm fudging it but it's difficult to answer I started this coming out of the Steve Ross um, press conference where he made it clear that he didn't think he didn't want the even want the team to be very good next year um, or he didn't think that they should be that they're going to go on this rebuilding. I, I started out like, okay, every, every free agent decision is not going to be about 2019. They're going to suspend 2019 and say, well, what's this guy do for us in 2020 and what's he doing 2021? I haven't seen anything to knock me off that. I think that when Chris Greer said something along the lines of, I'd rather have three good guys than one big one, you know, I have seen some stuff about Trey Flowers since then to sort of make me say, really? I don't know if that's true. But at the same time, Trey Flowers is very young. They could consider him sort of one of their own because he was trained on by Brian Flores and the defensive staff mm-hmm. in New England. So um, so you could see a special exception being made there. Uh, I don't think it goes so far as to be like, okay, they're going to go after Landon Collins, you know, somebody, right. somebody that's a huge contract that way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they won't still dip into the safety market and there are – I mean, there are some young guys. I mean, it really is flooded. Uh, it, there, I mean, you look at Adrian Amos and HaHa Clinton Dix, and yeah, um, there's Sean Gibson today was apparently up for you know, could, yeah. he's potentially available. And 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 uh, Weddle, just, I mean, he's not young, but Weddle just got made available. Yeah. Um, you know, and there there's a lot of Taryn Matthew is is out there, and Lamarcus Joyner is out there. He's going to be Jimmy Glover Ward is Quinn. out. There. Earl Thomas. Glover Quinn is is see I don't think it's going to be Glover Quinn or somebody like like him because he's he is old and they are going to ask themselves I still still do think they're going to ask themselves what does this guy do for us in 2020 or 2021 not 2019 and, and Glover, I don't, something for I you don't, in 2019 I think um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they thought that they weren't going to do anything and then Flores came in and said you know what if we are going to rebuild rebuild around Trey Flowers. Uh, yeah, and they bought they bought what he was saying. I, I don't be. think that's because he's been around him. He was there when he was drafted. He's helped nurture him. He knows what he is. He knows what he can become. He knows what he how he fits that defense. I don't think it's absolutely beyond the realm of possibility that they've said we're going to change the plan and just bring in this guy because you have you know we're going to give you a we're going to give you a little present as it were. This is you know this is our gift to you. You now you now you go and coach these kids. You know? And he fits. I mean, he's still yeah, young. He 
<laughs> he's, he's young. He fits exactly into this yeah. defense. No. Uh, so, yeah, I could see it being exactly as you say. Now, let me ask about one specific guy, and I'll ask you, Simon. Uh, once upon a time, Chris Greer, well, well, it's not for sure, but it was rumored that he had a very high grade on this guy. I know for a fact that his front office at the time, which he was a part of, had a very high grade on this, on this guy, and they wanted to draft him in the first round, and that's Ha Ha Clinton Dix. He's only 26 years old. He is a fading player. Even for 26 years old, he is not the player that he was as a rookie or as a second or third-year player. Could you see something like that happening where I don't think he's going to be all that expensive? Does he make sense for you, Simon? Um, not for me, I've got to say. I know Chris has a different opinion. Um, I saw him a fair bit in Green Bay and thought he'd fallen off a cliff a little bit. I mean, he's still a talented player. I, 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 just not for me. I just think there's better players out there. And I, look, I'd rather invest. That is an area where I'd rather invest in a rookie. Mm. Um, it's astonishing that he's still only 26, by the way. Yeah, astonishing. <laughs> it, it feels like. Yeah, when I saw I, it today, when I saw I that he's only 26, I was shocked. I literally just had to Google that and was like, I'm, I'm just going to take Alpha part here because it's fuck all way he's 26. And then I was like, oh, he's 26. He really is. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, astonishing. I don't know that I buy that he's he's physically fallen off a cliff at 26 years old just because he's been in the NFL for – I mean, listen, he's been in the NFL five years, and that's it's not – you know, that's, that's usually a guy's prime. Uh, just because he's not been playing well doesn't necessarily mean it's because he's falling off already. He's yeah. on the – He's on the downside. You can play well. You cannot play well because of all things schematically related. And, and clearly, uh, Patrick Graham is going to have uh, some insight on him as he was just in Green Bay. Um, so, you know, it's possible. It's possible. But in my mind, what I'm envisioning as far as what they're going to do in free agency is not necessarily go for the guys who didn't play in their system who, who are kind of expensive. And I think of Haha Clinton Dix as probably going to get a fairly, a decent contract. Maybe meaty not contract. Yeah. yeah, a meaty con. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, a very, you know, a meaty contract, and and it's not going to be you know what Trey Flowers is going to get. It's not going to be probably what Lamarcus Joyner is going to get or somebody like that. But um, it's going to be a pretty a pretty decent contract. And yet he didn't play in the system. Landon Collins didn't play in the system. I don't think they're going to go for him because, because of that. They're not going to go for somebody that gets a little bit of money unless they kind of feel like they have an idea what he's going to do here. And maybe the fact that Patrick Graham was in green Bay uh, makes up for that. I don't know. Um, but my feeling is not. So, um, so I, I would say no. All right, let me see if I could get Simon to buy something here today, okay? I got a couple of cornerbacks. God knows that we're going to need a lot of defensive backs to play Brian Flores' system. So I have a couple of cornerbacks. One is 25 years old. The other one's 27. The 25-year-old, Ronald Darby. The 27-year-old, Bashad Breeland. Any interest, Simon? Okay, Breeland played well in the slot for Green Bay, uh, but he got hurt, uh, having had a decent enough but not spectacular career in Washington. Um, Who's the other guy? Ronald Darby. 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 I mean, Darby gets injured a lot, um, and that would be the concern for me. I don't, uh, Breland, I don't think it fits because I think we've got – I mean, we've already got a nickel back in Bobby McCain, and I think we've got an even better nickel back mm-hmm. in Minka Fitzpatrick, who uh, I think could be an all-pro nickel corner, uh, and I think that's where he should play, although there was talk about him being a full-time safety at some point in the future. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the, the, the corners I'm interested in, I, I, I think the kid who is at Indianapolis, is it Pierre Desir? 
Um, I thought played well in the back half of last season when Indy were kind of on their playoff run. And although he didn't play very well last season, I thought he played very well the the two slash three seasons before, although he did so mainly as the third corner, and that's Bradley Roby of Denver. He played very well when Chris Harris and previously um, Akib Talib were there. Um, I'd be intrigued to see what the value is on him. I think Dazir is an interesting interesting guy, but not for me, Clive, on the two guys that you mentioned. Okay, Simon's not buying anything I'm selling. Let me see if I could try to sell Chris on something. How about Kevin I, I could buy Ronald Darby. Really? No, okay, just, so we have a, we have a taker here. I could. I could. Okay. I could be in for it. Bradley Roby, I think, is going to be expensive. Yeah, probably. I don't think they're going to they're going to deal with that. I think first off, I mean, they're going to cut, they're going to cut away a lot of talent, right? They're going to cut away a lot of uh, salary um, base salary this season. And they're going to take the salary cap hits for that and sort yeah, of reset things. That's what I think. And so that means that we're, you know, they're not going to be as heavy handed in free agency as you might want them to be. So we're talking about these guys that are getting meaty contracts. Well, you know, if they go for a Trey Flowers and because of Brian Flores. So, I mean, anybody we're talking about that looks pretty good. Yeah, he's going to he's going to be paid pretty good too. So, and that that's not going to be that's not going to be us. Okay, I'm I'm determined to to get Simon to buy a cornerback here. Come on. How about, how about either one of these Houston Texans? Kevin Johnson, Kayvon Webster. Nope. One is 27, one is 28. Kayvon Ooh. is a special teamer. And yeah. he's not going to be expensive. Yeah, and he makes I, a lot of I sense, mean, I would say. I mean, if that's really what you want to do, then you knock yourself out. But okay, not this guy's not buying anything. <laughs> let's move on to defense. Because this is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Throw me a defensive end bone. All right. Let's see. This should be an easy one for you. Okay. Do you bring back a very old and aged, but kind of effective when he played? William Hayes. Yeah, he's, probably. He's 34. Can they bring him back for one more year? I mean, it depends how he – I mean, you know, it's a big injury for a guy. His mm. weight, his age, that would be a concern. Um, but he's one still a premier run defending, um, easily coachable, malleable mm-hmm. defensive end. I think it just depends on – you know, and he's a guy that you'd imagine fitting the scheme in terms of understanding what is what – is, um, Expected of him, uh, I, my concern would be at 283 pounds or whatever he is coming back off that injury at 34 slash 35. I don't know. I mean, if he was healthy, you can sell him to me. I'll, I'll buy him. I'll buy him off you. But to me, the only then, reason not to would be if if they just decided that there were just too many injuries. Yeah. Last year, I mean, overall, and so like a sort of thematic a thematic thing, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna reduce this down. And if you're if you're doing that, then you don't get 34 year old William Hayes coming off an ACL construction reconstruction back. Um, and I don't think the Dolphins will buy it. I yeah. think they'll cut him. He just doesn't fit. He's too old, and the injury just doesn't fit with their, with everything we've heard. I'll throw you one. Uh, I'll throw you one. Mike Pinnell of uh, of the New York Jets. He played some nose. Uh, he was he was, um, I guess rescinded or his option was not taken so he and wouldn't he, count toward the compensatory perfect, i don't think perfect scheme fit yeah i think so simon yeah. you're a buyer yeah i think he's a great scheme fit and i'm i'm so, let me throw another one henry anderson hmm, your favorite hmm. <laughs> 
the uh what was it the number five player in the draft and yeah number three player was he number three player in the draft for the player for people that don't know this was a yeah, i mean let's not even go there because it's just <laughs> so ludicrous, but that's but i think that's i think as a as a depth as a piece of as a depth player it yeah. feels like this you know it's the sort of thing where if new england picked up mike Pinnell, people would be going that's a smart patriots move mm-hmm. so okay. yeah Let's transition to what could be a trade. There's a rumor going around, and the rumor is the genesis of the rumor is from somebody who's pretty well connected to Duke Johnson. And the rumor is that Duke Johnson could find his way here to Miami. Now, Chris, I was, I was, you and me were arguing about this on WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on on a Duke Johnson trade to Miami? Cause I like it. I don't. Get I like it. it. I I think he's always been a pretty good player. First off, and that's that's number one, right? Uh, going back years, you you always find him just being a plus player every, in every in every facet, especially pass catching. He might immediately be our best pass catcher. Um, I I have a lot of respect for Kenny Drake as a pass catcher, but Duke Johnson might immediately be our best pass catcher the the moment he arrived here. Um, and also, like, you look at it and the, the running back position on offense is – I've been harping on this defensive back thing for a long time. Like, we're going to go to dime and quarter, and so we're going to use more defensive backs. We need to get more, get more, get more. Well, mm-hmm. the running back position on offense for Chad O'Shea and that New England-style offense under Josh McDaniels um, is sort of the equivalent of that defensive back position because they use – the running backs a lot in the passing game and they they spread the they spread those snaps around between all the running backs and so they need to be deep they need to be really deep at that um, position because it's so important you I mean, just because Kenny Drake is banged up for a, day, a game it's not like I guess we can't throw any any passes to the backs anymore um there it needs to always be a part of the offense and so you need to be deep there and that's why you have a Duke Johnson who is a good player all right, Simon, your your thoughts on on this Duke Johnson mess? Because I really I mean, don't get it. I mean, what what, what do you get? The Cleveland to get rid of it, getting rid of him all. Uh, no, I think trade. Cleveland is trying to shop him for whatever they. Yeah, can. but I, I but understand why. Because they signed Kareem, they signed Kareem Hunt, so and Hunt's a better player. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's there's, there's rumors that, that because yeah, I mean, and he the, thought he was rumors that, when exactly. um, his name got canned. Hugh Jackson, yeah. and it didn't end yeah. up happening. And, but I think there's rumors that he could be part of a trade for Odell Beckham. There's, there's a lot of Odell Beckham to Cleveland trade rumors in the last 24 hours. Mm. Um, you know, that could be uh, Mary Kay Kbot reported that the Eagles and the Cowboys were two very interested teams in trading for Duke Johnson. So, you know, I think there's a market for him, but. Uh, and you know you bring him in that's fine but I kind of I wouldn't potentially want to give up anything more than maybe a sixth rounder and that's probably not going to get the deal done because you know that's just not how it works so um, and I think our running back group is pretty good you know I think uh, Drake and uh, Balage and Brandon Bolden and probably even Sonoris Perry I think that's a decent enough for a rebuilding side Uh, you know you've got a, a prove it kid number 32 Drake you know who's got a bounce back season there and then Balash showed enough to make you think okay you could probably carry the load for the entire season and we wouldn't necessarily worry too much so um I'm not buying Duke Johnson would you um, trade would you trade Kenny Stills for him I trade Kenny Stills for Jabril Peppers 
Hmm. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if they will part with Jabril Peppers because for me it's Jannard Avery. He's kind of a favorite over there. Yeah, I don't know that I had um, I don't know that I trade him for. I mean, you could play Drew Johnson in the slot as well. Um, yeah, but then you know it's a really important position there. for us, so that yeah, makes absolutely. me think about it. Yeah, yeah, may, maybe. All right, Simon. Three sexy names made it to free agency as linebackers. Any interest whatsoever on these three very sexy names? Jamie Collins? No. Anthony Barr? I think he's a better fit in something like Mike Patton's defense. CJ I think he's a good player. I, I, he's the wrong – I mean, the the Baltimore – I think Mosley's really good, but I think the, the, the kid I really like is Darius Smith, the, the Raven. Um, I would definitely be buying him. I, I, um, I mean, I, I like Barr. I don't I – don't, has he developed enough? I mean, he's going to get a massive contract. Has he developed enough since that great first year and everything? Everybody talked about him coming out of UCLA. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Um, and Mosley's a decent player. I, I don't. I mean, I, I personally don't think the Dolphins will be touching any of that. Frankly, I just don't see it. I just don't think that that tallies with anything that we've thought and I think the Trey Flowers thing is so anomalous because of the Brian Flores link that makes it a separate thing. I just don't think the Dolphins are going to go near high price linebackers. Chris, do you think? Bar no. Bar no. Um, even though I, I have Bar a none. lot of respect for him. Bar none. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for him as a player. I don't, yeah. but I don't think it's going to happen. He's going to be too expensive and yeah. the fact that they don't know him, you know, I just I just don't see that happening. Um, CJ mostly really the same thing uh he's going to be an expensive player and they don't really know him and i don't see that happen jamie collins i could actually see happening because there is that rule that i talked about where it's sort of like you know half outside linebacker half you know box linebacker and miami doesn't really have a guy that can do that at all and um and and so you know it's one thing it's one thing if you don't have two guys like new england does with Dante hightower and kyle van noy but to not even have one um that's that's a big uh, problem for the transition of this defense and jamie collins would solve it because even though jamie collins is a good coverage backer when he was used as an outside linebacker in new england when he was used as a pass rusher not too much but he was he did play some there uh he was an effective pass rusher and he's big he's like you know six three 250 pounds and that's the size is what they want they want that big yeah. size to be able to rush the outside and, and actually do something against an offensive tackle uh, and be able to throw their weight around a little bit. So I could see, I could see them going ahead and using him. Uh, what's his name? Patrick Graham was in new England when Jamie Collins was there and when Jamie Collins was at his peak. So, um, so I think it's possible there. I wouldn't handicap it, but you know, one to keep half an eye on. Obviously no. cut today as well, wasn't he? I mean, he was cut, right? Jamie Collins, yeah, cut. Yeah, he's yeah. going to make it. To he, wouldn't, he wouldn't count to the compensatory formulas either. No, exactly. All right, once uh, we're going to move on from linebacker after I give you this last name. And this would right a wrong in the eyes of many, many Dolphin fans because a lot of them were pounding the table at the time for him. Denzel Perriman is making it to free agency. Any interest whatsoever, Simon? No, he's injured no. all the time. <laughs> all right, so I guess we're moving on. We're moving on to defensive ends. All right, Chris, other than Trey Flowers, mm. any defensive ends, edge rushers that you think can make their way to Miami via free agency? I just think Trey Flowers fits too well. For, uh, you know, I, no, I don't um, think so. I think that the defensive line, you know, maybe, maybe a nose tackle type 
uh, like I said, Mike Pinnell, or um, if uh, if uh, Bo, uh, I'm forgetting his last name uh, now, um, a player that I liked from Wisconsin, Bo Allen. If he gets cut from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then he might be an option. Of course, we know that uh, Danny Shelton is an option. Um, he's a free agent from New England. They'll have some familiarity there. But otherwise, at defensive end, I, I just – I don't know that I really see anything that uh, that interests me there. Uh, the more interesting question is really whether they're going to get Cam Wake back. All right, Simon? Yeah, I think it's flowers or bust, frankly. Mm. Kerry Hyde is a guy I'm interested in, uh, the Lions guy. Um, but he's not been tendered. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, the, no, not for me, Clive. But they have the same system as us, so why did they cut him? Well, yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Bizarre. Well, free agency starts on the 12th. Well. What's the schedule? I think it's the tenth for being able to talk officially, even though that's clearly going on now. And twelfth is for signing. So it's going to be interesting around here next week, as maybe they pursue Trey Flowers. If they don't pursue Trey Flowers, or they jettison all of this talent and just sit around doing nothing, which <laughs> I don't know. They look like they need a lot of players, especially in that interior offensive line, because I don't know if they have enough draft picks to fill all those holes. But it's going to be interesting next week. All right. That's it. There is no more. Next week, we'll be talking free agency. And hopefully, maybe we have a signing by the time we, we join you guys next week. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.